Hey guys, welcome to another episode of More Than a Podcast. It is your host James back again to give you guys more of the greatness. So uh, let's just hop into it. This, uh, before I get started, is the 64th episode. If you didn't know, now you do. And what better way to talk about the 64th episode than to talk about another uh, resonating point, which is the Nintendo 64. Uh, I wanted to dedicate this whole episode to the Nintendo 64. So with that, let's just jump right in. Um, The Nintendo 64, to me, was a very revolutionary system. I still recall uh, the console wars. And I remember uh, vividly, you know, starting with the NES, which was an 8-bit system, and how the there was the doubling factor. And I remember me and my friends, we would always, uh, you know, speculate about the next big thing. And so when the Sega Genesis came out, you know, it, in some way it was superior to Nintendo. And... Um, you know, and then Nintendo came out with the SNES and it was, you know, uh, you know, far more superior than the Sega Genesis because there were there were different parts of the technology that they were doing that was different than what uh, what Sega could uh, could do. Um, then, uh, you know, then we got to the point where it was like, OK, now it's going to now it's going to be about uh, 32. Right. So Sega took the first step um which was a part of why their demise came uh, uh so they did the 32x and of course the sega saturn and uh you know <clears throat> the sega cd and all that all that jazz that they were releasing around the time and it was a little too much a little too hot and i think at that time sega i mean uh nintendo they just started they, they started doing something that really um resonates with their business model today which was they just started following the beat of their own drum and what i mean is they didn't this was the first time that that uh nintendo didn't fall in line with our expectations as far as like how they were going to go one for one in the offerings of uh of these bits you know because we were always following these numbers so for them to never have offered a 32-bit system and go straight into 64 that was something that completely took the uh, gaming industry and fans by storm. And I remember myself as a fan, I was completely uh, overwhelmed with, with excitement because of that big gap. You know, I felt that I was going to be delivered something that was going to change my life because they skipped a whole, uh, they didn't skip a generation, they just skipped a process process that was started you know um based on something that really is not not i mean it's it's really just uh just a, a fictional bar you know like they i mean they basically just let us know we don't have to meet this system one for one you know we're gonna just go out and do what we want to do and what we want to do is a 64-bit system and and they did um a little bit about the system uh came out in uh 96 which is a long time ago um but it hit Europe a year later, not quite a year, but it hit them in 97, um, which, you know, they had to wait a little bit. But I mean, the the fever pitch that was uh, that was in the United States was completely huge. I mean, it was big um, in the worldwide sales figures were thirty two point nine ninety three million in the U.S. alone. They sold 20 million units. In Japan, they sold five million. 
Europe, they sold about six. Like that right there is a testament to how big the system was to the U.S. I mean, the craze was always real for Nintendo, but this was the one that, again, like due to the fact that they, you know, they they really just jumped a gap that people just couldn't comprehend and people wanted to understand and wanted to see how can I be a part of this 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 entity that that seems like they want to change the world and change the way that we play games and boom you you, you got the uh, 64 so uh some of the features as far as the Nintendo 64 uh, the Nintendo 64 um it's quite unique so <clears throat> um one thing is uh, this was a cartridge-based system, which was uh, unique at the time only because uh, a lot of the other consoles were phasing away from uh, cartridges and moving into the space of CD-ROMs. So CD-ROMs were becoming a, a, a bigger medium, and Nintendo, again, was not following suit with uh, with the rest of the industry. So that was a big deal. Um, but I think and believe that it served them for a better purpose because, um, you know, one of the things that I do recall in the begin in the beginning of the the CD era was that you know um, that you know a lot of games uh, suffered from uh, atrocious load times. You know, load times were really really bad in the consideration of you know systems that utilized the CD ROMs as opposed to a cartridge, where the cartridge is instant load no waiting you just play the games um the other thing was the capacity in which these games were stored so you know uh one thing that i remember about the uh sony playstation for instance is that a lot of games started to exceed one you know more than one disc now that didn't that didn't uh affect the price at all um at least not at that time um but what it did was it kind of made it, it what it did for Nintendo is it made them know that their resources were well in place because you only needed one cartridge versus uh you know two three disc so you know they they were winning on that on that point uh one of the other cool things is that Nintendo didn't need a peripheral to uh allow friends to play so your friends could actually play and and you know go alongside you in a lot of games because they had four input ports for their controllers so that was a really really big thing i remember when i got mine and you know all of my friends had nintendo 64s and so it was just a matter of just bringing over your controller and having a go at whatever four-player game or multiplayer game that you wanted to take part in so that was always really cool um they had a really unique controller design um i still remember you know the whole selling point was that you can basically play games any way that you want um it had um three elongated uh grips there was two on the side and one in the center and the analog stick was in the center and the button layout was fairly unique um outside of what we had become accustomed to with the older systems because nintendo had gone from you know a two button system to a four button system or um well you'd say eight uh, um or i'm sorry six <clears throat> because we didn't get to eight till what uh playstation but anyway um so that you know it it, be it became you know, it was such a unique styled controller and it was all based on like the different ways that you can play games. So I remember that being their selling point 
Um, and it was interesting. I mean, it wasn't a bad controller. It wasn't their best controller, but you know, for what it was, it was interesting. Um, they had a lot of different um, accessories that you could utilize. Some were um, necessary for the games. So they had things like their controller packs, which was essentially the memory cards that we had all come to understand were uh, proprietary uh, in a lot of ways for a lot of different systems. I remember the memory cards from the PlayStation, memory card, the VMUs for the uh, Sega Dreamcast, and obviously the um, the controller packs for um, the Nintendo 64. Um, they also had rumble packs, which, uh, gave haptic feedback, uh, with certain games, um, games like, um, uh, Star Fox would, uh, play very well with that haptic feedback, you know, when you're in the middle of a, of a, <clears throat> a battle, space battle, and, uh, you know, you got people shooting at you, so you want to feel it. Um, and then they had transfer packs, and the transfer packs were, uh, for, the Game Boy Color games, and namely they were for uh, the Pokemon games uh, that coincided with games like uh, Pokemon Stadium. So there was that. Um, you know, I it's crazy because I was actually on uh, on Twitter and I was asking around, and it was just a real simple question, and uh, you know, basically just said, "Hey, what's your favorite uh, uh, Nintendo sixty four game?" And I got some really overwhelming responses. And I think what was really unique about the responses that I was getting was that none of them lined up with games that I've either played or um, had knowledge was even on the system. I mean, some people said some things that I that I understood was out. But I mean, like it was just like, OK, yeah, I've never played that. But let me tell you about 10 of the, the titles that came up. Right. So. This was just from various people on Twitter, which if you uh, want to talk to me and, and get in on the fun, you can always hit me up uh, on Twitter at more T.A. podcast. Again, that's more T.A. podcast. Uh, so um, asking them about their uh, favorite game, I had various ones. And here's uh, one to ten. And they're not in any particular order. So uh, one person said Banjo-Kazooie, which I have never played a Banjo-Kazooie game. Um you know, it's a platformer. I believe at the time I was just, I was making my transition to the PlayStation at the time. So I didn't really have the opportunity to experience Banjo-Kazooie. And I think I had gotten my feel out, out of uh, Mario 64. So um, F-Zero. Um, so F-Zero is a game that originated on the SNES and they made their jump to the 64 system. And I think a lot of people were really um, uh, involved in, you know, having that, series and that franchise become as lauded as, as it is today um castlevania legacy of darkness now from my understanding castlevania legacy of darkness is the um it's a second game from the original castlevania 64 and castlevania 64 um for all intents and purposes was not a very well received game and so um they quickly came out with this uh this version which is uh the far superior castlevania experience on on the nintendo 64 um one that came as a surprise and i thought this was actually really cool ogre battle 64 um again i have not played this game but i know of the series because uh during the game boy advance days i had a game called tactics ogre uh golden eye which i've had a lot of experience about and we'll talk about that later 
Um, Zelda Ocarina of Time, um, a huge game for a lot of fans. Um, <laughs> if you've listened to my show, then you will know already I, um, I, I have little to no experience with Zelda. Uh, um, the only game I've played at length has been Breath of the Wild, so um, it's been a sad time for me. Um, Star Fox, another uh, SNES classic that made the jump over to the Nintendo 64. Um, a lot of people really, really enjoyed this game. Um, Blast Corps was a game that I had no idea existed, didn't know what Blast Corps was, and I still don't, but, you know, I I've, I had it come up a few times where people said this was the best game that they played on that system. So, um, Pokemon Stadium 2, which I remember the Pokemon games becoming, you know, a hot commodity uh, back on the original Game Boy and... <clears throat> you know, moving forward on the color, and everybody was always looking forward to it making its jump to the major consoles, and uh, Pokemon Stadium was the perfect game because, again, what it did was it integrated all of your efforts and collection from the Game Boy games into uh, the major console game that was uh, Stadium. So, um, and then one that came up, and I had no idea what this was, and I actually had to look it up on the fly when it when it got brought up to me, was Jet Force Gemini. I have never heard of this game, <laughs> and I, I really, uh, when, when, when it did come up, I actually took the person who, uh, who mentioned it, I, I took it as he was making a mistake. I said, maybe he's thinking about a different system, but no, it's a, it's a Nintendo 64 game. And, and I'm, you know, I am very out of touch on that level. And I think, again, I think I, I would attribute that to my investment of time on to the PlayStation because I was making that transition. So, I mean, be it as it may, it's a game that exists. So there you go. Um, now, here, now, here's the thing for me. Now, out of those 10 that I mentioned that I either have or don't have much experience with, I asked myself, I said, you know, if I was if I was on a deserted island and I could only take a Nintendo 64, you know, with an appropriate television and all the bells and whistles that I need, um, but I could choose only 25 games out of the, I believe they have, I believe 331 is the number. I believe the Nintendo 64 has 331 games entirely on their entire uh, history and console. They have 331. I could be mistaken, but I think that's the number. But out of out of those games, if I can only choose 25, which 25 would I take? So um, I thought long and hard about it, and some of these games I have experienced. Some of these games I haven't or have very little experience, and I kind of want to experience them, but... Here are my 25 games that I would take with me. So number one, obviously, would be Mario 64. Um, Mario 64 is ha has been one of the, again, revolutionary games that really set a standard outside of what we typically were offered as a gaming uh, unit, a gaming community. Um, I, I I don't believe. It's, at least for myself, I had ever experienced anything like what Mario 64 had brought to the table. Um, GoldenEye 64, this was, to me, the revolution um, or the evolution, I, I apologize, of the first-person shooter genre. With, I, I, I firmly believe that without GoldenEye 64, the FPS genre as it is today would not exist. Um, this 
there was a lot of couch co-op that went on around this time. And I'm telling you, this is one of the games that we spent days and nights, summers and evenings just on this game. And it was just, it, it was one of the most delightful experiences. I mean, it was, we settled bets with this game. And, you know, most people would say, oh, you know, if, you know, <laughs> oh, if you if you feel that way, then why don't you play me in Street Fighter or play me in Mortal Kombat or whatever? No, we would sit there as four people and engage in whatever and would always settle our differences in GoldenEye. And it was always funny. And and what, what was really funny, and, and I don't believe this to be the truth, <clears throat> um, but we believed, we firmly believed <laughs> that the characters in the game had differences that made them stronger or weaker. Like I remember playing with Grace Jones and, or I don't, I, don't, I say Grace Jones, but I don't know what her name was in the movie. Um, but I felt like she just was a far superior character than any of the other ones. And I used to always use the gun, which uh, to my understanding is not even a real gun in real life, which is insane. But uh there's a gun called the Clob, K-L-O-B, and every time I got a hold of the Clob, I would just massacre everybody on the stage. And this is before like kill streaks, and uh, and you know like uh, you know ulting on anybody with with some. I mean, our alt was like to combine. <laughs> we would collect a whole bunch of. Uh, Mines, and I remember we would we would sabotage uh, the elevator on certain levels, and like we we'd watch. That was the cool thing. You could watch in other people's cameras while you were playing, and you would see them hit the elevator trying to go to the different part of the stage, and we would detonate it, and it would like clear out the entire corridor, and it was just, it was the funniest thing, and and I I just have fond 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 memories of uh, Golden Eye sixty four. Um. Mario Kart 64. Now, I pl I did play the original um, on the SNES, but again, this was one of those games that was such a huge leap from its origin to this new system that I mean, it was it, it completely changed the way that I believed uh, games could and would be played in the future. So, this was a big one. Um, Wave Race 64 was a huge game that we used to play a lot of um, back in the day. Another, you know, couch co-op game where everybody can get in on it. And it was just really, really cool. Now, that one did have the differences between the different racers and stuff. So some people had, you know, uh, faster acceleration, but they weren't quite good on the turns and all this other jazz. But it was just a really, really cool game. I, I definitely remember that. Um uh, 1080 degrees snowboarding. Now, as a kid and even as an adult, I don't know much about snowboarding, but I could definitely say that um, this was one of those games that basically opened up um, an understanding of that that system and how the you know like uh, that sport in general. It's it kind of served the same purpose that like a Tony Hawk so served for uh for skateboarding because who knew about skateboarding especially in my community as a young african-american kid you know so this was one of those things that opened up an understanding to snowboarding like what like what the heck so it was kind of it was it was really cool um 
one game that I know is on everybody's list, um, and it's usually the far superior out of the two, is uh, WWF No Mercy. So No Mercy was uh, one of the two wrestling games that came out, and in a lot of people's opinion, this is probably one of the best uh, wrestling games of all time. Of all time. So, you know, there's that argument. Uh, Turok the Dinosaur Hunter, or Turok Dinosaur Hunter, uh, was a huge game back uh, when the Nintendo 64 was a thing. I remember playing loads of this game. I, you know, this was another game that I could not process fast enough in my brain to really understand exactly what I was seeing. I was like, okay, wait, big guns, dinosaurs, what is going on? Like, just just give it to me. And, I mean, we, we played so much of this game. This was a really, really fun game, uh, Turok was. And they've had three Turoks, to my understanding, and they've relaunched the game on current consoles. But, um, yeah, nothing was as good as, as the original. Nothing. Um, Star Wars, Shadow of the Empire. Now, let me tell you something. This is probably one of my favorite Star Wars games. And there's a few reasons why. One, because this was one of the first games I've ever received uh, for, the, for the Nintendo 64. I received three games um, the Christmas I received this, this system, and the three games were Mario 64, Star Wars Shadow of the Empire, and then I'll tell you about the other game in a little bit. But, um, yeah, this was... I wasn't a, I wasn't a huge Star Wars fan uh, back then, and you know I, I really could care less about a side story. And to be honest, this was the game that made me that kind of made me want to investigate and see how how was this character in the game? His name is Dash Rendar. How was he effectively uh, placed in this universe that? I knew existed, but I had never seen him. And he was just as potent to me as a Han Solo or uh, a Chewbacca or even a Luke Skywalker. I, I was completely uh, into his character, and I really enjoyed the game. One of the things I remember the most about the game was the uh, the boss battle versus uh, Boba Fett. Uh, you fight him while he's flying around in a jetpack, and then I believe you do fight him uh, while he's in the Slave 1. It's just awesome so yeah one of my favorites um kobe bryant in nba courtside now this was a really big game for me as well and i remember the marketing campaign uh that they uh that they invested into and and there were the commercials that were coming out featuring kobe bryant who had just uh um you know i, th I think he was about two years in with the lakers or he had just come to the Lakers no he was about two years in because I remember Kobe Bryant in his first year uh was bald and then um and then he uh he grew the afro and then that's when he really started showing out and became Kobe Bryant uh still not the mamba yet but he was Kobe Bryant for sure and uh yeah he came out with this game and um and I had to grab it it was one of my favorite basketball games uh, especially on a Nintendo 64 so um another in another uh, basketball game that I really, really enjoyed uh, was a game called NBA Hang Time. Now, I don't really know or understand what the uh, what the deal was as far as NBA Hang Time versus uh, 
versus NBA Jam, but I believe that, and and I'm gonna say this, and I'm gonna say this in a way that that um you know if you're somebody who's ingrained in the history of gaming consoles and and gaming in general, this to me seemed like another uh, story of seasons and Harvest Moon situations. This is it, so, and if, and if you don't understand uh, what the the context, then just kind of look it up and and see what that is. But basically, it's like when you got a developer or a couple of developers. Um, who don't agree with the publishers or, or whomever, and they just got different ideas on how they want to do one thing, and they're like, okay, look, you go do NBA Jam, we're going to go do this. And I think that's what the deal was, because I remember NBA Hang Time being so like NBA Jam, but I didn't care that it wasn't NBA Jam. And, I mean, everything was the same about it. The secret characters, um, the, the uh, input codes to unlock you know different abilities and all this other stuff and it was just it was a whole lot of fun it was a super amount of fun and I just I, I have fond 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 memories of NBA hang time my favorite character was playing um as a uh there was they had this code you could be this old man uh this old man with this uh skipper cap on and and I would just have him dunking and just doing the most ridiculous stuff and I mean, I would just run up the score on on the computer or my friends or whoever, and it was just always fun. So there's that. Um, now, <laughs> one of the other things that that was huge uh, back in the Nintendo 64 uh, life cycle was fighting games, and a lot of these fighting games um, came from a lot of different developers. But one that I fir- I, I fondly remember was uh, called Mace: The Dark Age. And it wasn't, it's, look, it's not a historical game, and it's definitely not considered one of the top games, fighting games of all time, but it was fun back in the day. And I remember it being so fun because everything at that time was comparable to Mortal Kombat and uh, Street Fighter. And if it was just an inkling away from either or, then that was good for us. It was just basically like, man, this is like Mortal Kombat but with swords so it would so you you kind of invested your time into figuring out you know one what's the big difference between the two and how how is this going to be any better because we were always looking at least i was was always looking for the next big fighter now the next big fighter uh you know from experience had come from the collaboration efforts of the different games kind of like you know street fighter versus x-men marvel versus capcom you know those type of games but when they did game like original titles like this i mean i felt like it was well worth the time so uh check it out if you haven't um speaking of mortal kombat mortal kombat trilogy was a huge game uh for me on the nintendo 64 and reason being because this was basically a compiling of their uh their first uh four titles and i say four because they had also done ultimate of uh of three which ultimate now their third game they i believe that's the one where uh the mass sub-zero was not in it and there was there was a lot of people that were just like missing and this that and the other and so trilogy just put everybody in there they just had everybody in there they had every single stage it didn't matter it didn't make sense it but it was fun as heck and i still just remember 
so many memories of just playing that game and this was uh, again this was the one that I felt like was was the game to own outside of saying like oh well I have you know I have Mortal Kombat 1 2 and 3 like or 1 2 3 and ultimate like no you just got trilogy you were you were set that's all you needed that's all i needed and it to me it's one of the best uh mortal Kombat uh original titles that i played um and this was the one that basically came out um before they dropped uh before mortal Kombat uh developers uh dropped their uh 3d effort in mortal Kombat 4 so there you go um now I remember telling you guys that there was a third game that I got for Christmas and here's the third game. It was Quest 64. I do not care that you don't care that this is not a good game. This is a great game. Um I enjoy the game thoroughly. This is one of the games that uh this is one of the one of my first forays into uh true RPG elements. Now I know a lot of you just rolled your eyes and they're just blah, you know it's not an RPG. Well, for me it was, you know, you take the role of this guy. Um I don't even know his name, but I I really enjoyed the dynamic of like the different elements and how they affected the monsters and and all that and um it was a cool game. It wasn't bad. It wasn't a bad game. I mean, it gets a lot of it gets a lot of crap, but at the same time I I just I really enjoyed it. So um, some other games that came out that were really cool. Um, Doom 64 was a big game because Doom was big on the PC and it made its transition into consoles. And um, when it hit 64, it was it was a pivotal game. Um, Cruising USA. Cruising USA was now and, and a lot of these games that I'm going to mention now are games that originated in the arcade but made their stance on consoles and and notably they made it on the Nintendo 64. So uh, Cruising USA was one of them. And I mean, it was literally the seamless transition that you saw between what you played in the arcade, which again was dying out at the time, but it stayed alive enough for you to be able to go in the arcade and come back home and say, oh my God, they're, they're the exact same. They are the exact same. And this was one of those games. And again, um, to play this with friends was was a real, uh, really good experience. But one of the ones, one of the games that I remember playing again with uh, with a full load of friends at the same time was Gauntlet Legends. Now, Gauntlet Legends is a really, really, really fun uh, for I believe it's a four player co-op game. Um, and everything about that game is just cool. And you can grow your characters to be really, really strong and the game talks to you through the entirety of, of the game and the battles and everything. And, you know, it, it's, it's, you know, couch co-op, you know, kind of veering off a little bit is one of those dynamics that I feel like is missing today because when you're a couch co-op, I, at least for me, I feel motivated to succeed just looking at the people that are sitting next to me and knowing the effort that they're putting in. It's so hard to see that same accountability when you're playing with people who are countries or states away um, because you don't really understand or know the effort, but you're always judging that effort. And I think that's why we have such a toxic culture because we can't see each other. You know, we can't really interact with each other as people. So it just takes away. And uh, Gauntlet Legends was was never about all that. I mean, it was just about sitting around each other 
having loads of fun, having tons of enemies thrown at you, and just you know, just making a complete experience out of it. Um, Hydro Thunder was another big game in the arcade uh, that made its way to the Nintendo 64, um, and I had a lot of fun with that one. Killer Instinct Gold. So Killer Instinct Gold was essentially Killer Instinct 2, which was uh, another Nintendo property. The original the original Killer Instinct was on the SNES, which was one of their big fighters away from Street Fighter and Mortal Kombat. And it was huge. It was completely huge. And so when they made their jump to uh, 2, it was revolutionary. I still remember like how great uh, Killer Instinct 2 was versus the first one and comp- competing against some of the bigger fighters. I still remember that. And um, when yeah, again, Gold was just a great game. I I spent a load of time learning characters, uh, learning their uh, combo sets, which I'm pretty sure people are going to be like, well, they really didn't have combos. They were move sets uh, dialed into buttons. Oh, whatever. <laughs> you still had to memorize something, and I did, and I was really good at the game, and I got a lot of ultra combos in that game. So, yeah. Um, NFL Blitz, another game that was huge in the arcade, and when it made its jump over to consoles, um, it was really, really just an amazing time. Um, a fun story. Um, I remember again, I made my transition from the Nintendo 64 to the Sony PlayStation. And I, 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 I wanted a game to get my NFL, uh, blitz fix. Um, but I couldn't afford NFL blitz. So I got a game called NFL extreme and, um, (laughs) it was just as good. I'm not going to lie. It was just as good and it was awesome. And I, if you haven't played it, uh, you should play it because compared 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 to NFL Blitz, it is just like it's just as ridiculous and it's an awesome time on the original PlayStation. So there you go. Um, Quake sixty four was another game. Uh, San Francisco Rush Extreme Racing, uh, another game that was that originated in the arcades. Um, it was kind of like Cruising USA, just um, a little bit more intense, I guess. Um, another fighter that was huge. Um, that made it to the arcade, but I never played it in the arcade. I seen it in the arcade, but I I only experienced it um, on the Nintendo sixty four, and I was War Gods. Um, and War Gods seemed like the closer rip of uh, Mortal Kombat, but just not quite. Um, it was not a good game, but it was interesting. And we had it, and I say we collectively as my friends because we all kind of shared the same uh, library of games um, w- with each other. And, yeah, I mean, I played a bit of it, and it was what it was. So, you know, uh, Hexen is another game, um, another FPS-style um, game that was PC-born along with, like, uh, games like Doom and um, and Quake. And, you know, for it to make it 64 jump, it was kind of cool. Um, WWF WrestleMania 2000, which was the other game. This was the one that I had the experience with. And this was the one that I remember being really, really upset about. Because um, I believe in this game, if I'm not mistaken, you have to unlock Shawn Michaels, who is my favorite wrestler of all time. And, um, and yeah, I was not pleased with uh, characters being locked uh, behind achievements and whatnot. So I believe I believe you had to 
you had to do a certain something in order to get Shawn Michaels, and I was, I yeah, I, I was really upset. Um, and then uh, one of the last games that I would take with me uh, is Madden NFL Football 64. Because yes, at one time uh, Madden games were good. Um, I can't say as much now. I think they've gotten a little too competitive and it's a little too uh, simulated to uh, real life. So they don't have as much fun uh, factored into it. You know, it's more based on just the reality of what would you do if you were truly the Kansas City Chiefs or whomever your team is. Um, but, you know, I mean, in in the, uh, you know, the eras that were 64 from the 64 and prior, I mean, you just picked random teams back then. It really, I mean, sometimes, yeah, I mean, for the most part, you would pick your favorite team, but I do heavily recall not having uh, a team at the time, and I would just pick anybody. It just, it never mattered. I mean, I, some, sometimes I picked the Bengals because, you know, they were orange, and, uh, you know, you, you just, you went with the Buccaneers because they, you know, had a heck of a fullback, and, um, and it was just always fun. It was just always fun, and, you know, win lose or draw you just had a good time so that's uh that's what i ended up doing and you know look uh i know i know that the nintendo 64 as as a system it can be considered a, a, a what i like to say a transitional system and i and i i use that same term with like the sony playstation because this these were systems that developers they were figuring out how to break ground in a new concept of uh, of graphical development. So you didn't really have the same, you, you didn't really have uh, the same refinement and detail that you had with games like, I mean, with uh, systems like, you know, the SNES and the Sega Genesis and, you know, what would come after uh those two examples in the playstation 2 and the uh, nintendo gamecube but they served the bigger purpose and the bigger purpose was to set a standard and to give a starting ground to again something that in in modern understanding paved the way for everything that we are experiencing now. I mean, that's just bottom line. If we did not have the Nintendo 64 in our lives as a system, we would not have the ability to experience a lot of what we we, we have today, without question. And with that being said, I'm gonna close out. I know a lot of you are probably playing uh, Ghost of Tsushima or maybe you're off playing uh, Paper Mario. I know I just picked up Story of Seasons, so I'm going to get back to that. I will definitely see you guys next week. We'll get on to some, uh, some uh, different topics. I just wanted to really dedicate this uh, episode to a system that I feel like, I feel like it gets love, but I feel like that love can be waning in a bit, and I don't really feel like people really understand the 64 as much as they understand a lot of the other systems that have been offered by Nintendo. Uh, so, you know, again, just giving a little context and putting some games out there that, Hey, if you don't, if you didn't know, uh, what, what things were entertaining there, 
Now you got more than a handful of examples to get yourself out there, you know, pull out, dust off the old Nintendo 64 or get one off of Amazon and just have a go experience some of that stuff because it's really good. Um, and with that being said, I'd like you guys to do me the favor, as always, that I ask. Take care of yourselves and each other, and I will see you guys next time. Bye, guys. Thank you.